yeah, it has been a big week. The Tinder swindler came on, if you don't know what's happening on the world. <laughs> Just saying, uh, I don't even know. I was literally going to call my preach, beware the Tinder swindler. If you don't know what it is, you don't need to watch it. It's just very scary, and you, you go from vacillating from judging someone to feeling very sorry for people to not sure what to feel. But um, if you don't watch TV, carry on. You're not missing much. Um, and uh, it is, uh, but our world is interesting. And I watch a movie like Tinder Swindler. I watch the news this week a little bit more than I have recently. I'm going, our world is in an interesting, interesting place. We are more isolated, insulated than we've ever been. And it's not just the last two years. Let's be honest. It's not just the last years. We have been on this journey for a long time. What do I mean by isolated? Well, completely separated from others. Not just when you're struggling with a virus. No, isolated. People isolating the world. I spoke to a mate of mine working overseas. He's worked from home for two years. He has no family at his house. He's living in a place far from his work, and, and he cannot wait for the day to go back. He was the guy who never liked going to the office, getting in the, on the trains in the morning in the UK. Wins. He's like, I bring it on because he's completely isolated. And in truth, the thing with we think brings space doesn't. And I'm going to tell you why this morning as we preach about the power of us. I want to tell you we're also insulated. And, and to understand insulation, it's like cables running with different currents, and, and they have to insulate those cables to make sure they don't short out the system. And we do the same thing with our lives. When people come near us, we say, well, how you? I'm 100%, like 1,000%. But you're lying. It's not true. And, and how's your family? No, we're good, but we're not good. And we put these insulations around our lives to keep ourselves from people getting behind the mask, getting a little bit behind the veil. But this started years ago. In the year 2001, I started as a graduate in an organization, and they just moved into something called open plan offices. It's like this big, wow, you can see people. So I thought this is awesome for a guy who likes people. I actually like people. I like talking to people. Although this is going to be amazing. I can talk to everyone. But then this phenomenon happened. That someone four meters away from me would start emailing me. Bing. I'm like, I'm right here. <laughs> Bing. I'm still here. And I've realized that people like hiding in their spaces, preferring to send the impersonal email, then walking up and go, hey, how was your weekend? That would cost too much. They'll be like, oh, now I need to go behind the curtain. No, just how was your weekend? And relationships have changed. Everything has changed. And in the old days where you'd have to make effort to walk to the phone, which was in another room, guys. If you're under 30, you won't know what I'm talking about. But there was a time where the phone was located somewhere else. You would have to walk there and sometimes wait for it. I mean, it's like someone else was on there. It's ridiculous. And then you'd have to phone someone to have a relation with the end of it, to find, and then they would also have to walk to the phone. It wasn't with them. It was a hectic. And um, life was just, then it got replaced with SMSs. Now it's voice notes. And I'm, I'm, I'm the other day in town at a coffee shop. This guy sat next to me at a table, sending like a 20-minute voice note. I mean, he's like, ah. And this, I'm like, imagine having to listen to that. <laughs> Honestly, I would have a very short one-word answer back, just a, well, it's not one word, leave me alone, send a two-minute message, maybe we'll do it again. And um, some people in the church have actually received a message like that from me, send me a two-minute message, I'll listen to it. But relationships have changed. And um, for the, the under-30s Valentine seekers, I need to just tell you, it wasn't always like it is now. Back in the day, you had to do simple things like get out of bed. Hard. You had to shower. 
You had to brush your hair and your teeth, both. You then had to get dressed, unless you're in a different kind of community. And, um, and, and, and then you would go out and you would meet people, like real people, and make friends, which is a little different to Facebook friends. You actually have to engage them, know a little bit about them, deal with their idiosyncrasies, all that stuff, make friends. And then when, and you do life a bit, and then maybe someone in a crowd or a group catches your attention, just for whatever reason. It's not always going to be their looks, although in our world today, it's generally looks with 17 filters, if it's the same person. <laughs> and, um, and, and so you, so it's, it's but, but then there's something, it's their laugh. It's the way she tucks her hair behind her ear or engages a conversation. You go, wow, there's something special there. And then what you have to do, you have to build up the courage to draw near to them. Like find a reason to get close to the individual. Like no one knows what's actually going on, but all of a sudden you're there. <laughs> Just like, hi, hi, hi. And, and, but it's very different to now. Now you get your best, but you don't have to get out of bed. And really, I'm not anti um, online dating. I know some friends who found some amazing people. I'm not anti social media. I'm not anti anyway. But I just want to tell you that things have changed. And don't automatically assume that the changes are for the better. We assume that change is always for the better. But I want to tell you that that's not what the Bible says the trajectory of the world and its ways are. So we've got to understand what does it look like. And I'm having a bit of fun, but I want to tell you everything has changed continues to change, and we need to understand that even in terms of church, in terms of engagements, things have changed radically. And God is calling us to, to many things, but I want to call us at this time to the power of us. I want to just grab my notes. Uh, I, to, to deeper levels of joining with each other and growing. In 2022, everyone's under pressure. Christian, non-Christian. Every, every, everyone's under pressure. We might not all be persecuted. I want to tell you the church and the persecuted nations, if you look at the stats and get feedback from those leading missions, it's thriving, the church and the persecuted nations. But we might not be persecuted in this nation. I want to tell you, I don't think any government mandates or anything that's happened was there to persecute the church in the last years. I never bought into that. But there has been pressure, lots of pressures, different kind of pressures, pressures everywhere, pressures to not be too offensive with your faith. You want to be faithful, but you don't want your faith to be offensive because if someone else is offended, you've got to soften your faith, pull it back. And I want to tell you, that's a pressure. It's a pressure. It's a pressure that as a preacher, I'm preparing. I'm going, what if someone takes that clip and plays it? And last year, many years ago, we did a sexuality series. That big board outside just had one word on it, sex. It was yellow. And we had people literally coming here for that purpose. One, some visitors. It was interesting. But then that got shared on, with all the preachers that we were preaching in that series on the 10,000 strong table of neighbors. I started getting friend requests from every corner of the globe. And um, it got interesting. And all of a sudden you realize the world's watching. There's a pressure that comes out. There are other pressures. Pressures like you start to care for people. You realize caring looks like this. Don't ever challenge me. Don't ever come and bring a different word to what I celebrate or how I want to speak or what I want to say because that's not caring for me. That's misunderstanding. And the Bible says, no, caring for your brothers, fighting for them, sometimes challenging them, sometimes coming and saying, hey, but the way you spoke to your wife is completely out of line. I don't have to sugarcoat those words when you're speaking to your wife like that. We need that. Yeah. The problem is it's not celebrated in the world. So I want to speak today from a scripture where the church was persecuted in the light of potential further persecution in the book of Hebrews. 
Now, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews for a thousand percent. We're not sure, but we have some guesses. But it's a book definitely written to people who had been persecuted, who had experienced persecution, and we're looking forward to more persecution. And they're going, I want to tap out. And the writer of Hebrews is writing and saying, no, hold, stay strong. Don't shrink back. And he does that in a number of ways, but in one of the ways he calls them to a number of things. He says, I want to remind you about the superiority and supremacy of Christ, first and foremost. The church's purpose and mandate, and my purpose and mandate, is to preach Jesus. Greater, bigger, stronger, mightier. Keep reminding each of us, including myself, that that's who he is. To remind us that part of the, the, is to move us from the danger of moving away from his teaching and his calling and orthodoxy according to the word and to call us to maturity, to maturity, all be growing in more of Jesus and becoming more like Christ. The reality, though, is that the world has changed, and in a changing world, His Word's not changing. So there's a natural conflict, a natural challenge. I want to read from Hebrews 10. You can either join with me in in the Bible or on the screen. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest, a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with all, with the full assurance. I really should put my glasses on, but I'm going to carry on because I'm denying this thing. With full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus, we come before your word this morning. I pray it wouldn't be the passion of a preacher. It wouldn't be my perspective. It would be your word and you, Holy Spirit, speaking to every heart. Lead us, I pray, as a community. And lead us today into the more that you have for us. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Amen. Amen. Struggling to open this bottle. Mm. So this morning... As the glasses go on, I want to preach about the power of us. Sounds like a weird title. It sounds like a mini series you'd find on something. It's not that. It's, and I'll explain to you the first point of this the power of our privilege. Now, privilege is one of those hotspot words in the world right now. And I get it. And there's good reasons for that. But it doesn't mean that as believers we can't use the word and doesn't mean we can't be reminded that we have privilege in Christ because this is what the Bible says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, turn to the person next to you and call them brother or sister. If, brother. You've got to get that one right. <laughs> okay, we are the brothers and sisters. He's writing to us. He says, since we have confidence, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest, we have privilege. If you feel privilege or not, not the issue. The Bible says you have the privilege. First and foremost, you have the privilege of a confidence to enter. The most holy place before the most holy king, you have the privilege of access. You can go where others cannot go. 
That's the very essence of privilege. And you know what got you there? Not you. Nothing you did. Absolutely nothing. It's completely and whole, wholly because of Jesus. Yeah. But it's your privilege. Yeah. And if we don't understand that and live in it and embrace it and, and stop living in this, well, I'm, I, I, I don't really want to make the most of that privilege. No, the privilege wasn't given by man. It was given by God. So you've got to live in the privilege. Secondly, it says this, you get a great high priest. A great high priest. Not a good high priest. Not an adequate high priest. Not someone who did just enough to save you from hell. A great high priest, perfect in all his ways, never sinned, never failed, lived a life that we could never live so that we can live an eternal life that we, couldn't, we didn't deserve on our own. We get a great high priest. And those two add up to the greatest privilege man or woman on this earth can ever know access to the presence of the Father, paid for by the cross. And I want to tell you, there is power in our privilege. Because here's the thing, it's not for a preacher, man, not for someone who's been in church for 30 years, not for someone who's sat and at church attendance been really good for the last while. It's none of those things. It's just Jesus. Secondly, and, and maybe you'll pick up that I'm just been reading the news, the power of a pronoun. Interesting topic, I know. Um, us is a pronoun. Us, in the context of this scripture, replaces brothers and sisters. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, he carries on, he goes, let us, let us. And he says this, let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. There's this important pronoun that it's not let me led you and your Christian journey. There's a seduction in our world, and it's got worse in the last two years as we feel like we control our world, and this is how it looks. Well, I'll decide whether or not I'll wear pants to the next meeting, because why? I've got the screen, I'm controlling the environment, no one's in the room. So there's epic fail videos of people in suits and ties with their boxer shorts on. And, and actually, my whole entertainment, I don't need to leave the house. It's on here. I've got the remote. It's me, myself. I can choose where I want to go. I can be playing, watching sport in England right now with the crowds. I can be watching a, a Netflix. It's all about me. I have the power. But the problem is the Bible doesn't say you have the power. The Bible says the power in this us, in what he has done in his bride, in the calling and the poor and to more. He says, let us. And it's become this gospel that's all about me. I want to tell you any gospel that's all about you is a gospel where you've pulled the plug out on the power of the cross. Because the cross wasn't only about you. For God so loved the world, the world that he gave his son. Yes, you're part of the world. Good call. Good challenge. Not going to hold up to the Bible. Let us. And there's an important to this that, that calls us into the story that we say, we say, Jesus says, pray like this, our Father, not my Father. Every time, pray this, our Father, but Jesus, just us, it's the disciples, just, we can pray, it's, our, it's my dad. That's awesome. And there's a revelationary truth there that's important that you get, that your Father is your Father. But when we whittle it down to that and it's only ever about that, I promise you, we'll live a lifestyle and a Christianity of insulation and isolation. Justified by a bad theology leading yeah. to a bad practice. Yeah. God's calling us to understand that pronouns are important. Let us. Yeah. And there's a lot going on in our world. So the last point is the most important one. The power to not shrink back. Yeah. He's calling us to the power 
to not shrink back. There's a power. Don't, you're not gonna not shrink back by fighting every fight. You're gonna not shrink back by receiving the power that's given to us. And I wanna take us to the scripture because remember these people had been persecuted. He's saying to them, there's more persecution coming. Remember, persecution is not a negative comment on your Facebook page. It's not what they were talking about. Like they would lose family members in horrible ways. And he's saying, let us, let us. And so for us, persecution might look different, but with the agendas of our world, I'm telling you there is more pressure than ever before. And I flippantly use the pronoun story, but it is an interesting story. In the first service, we dedicated 12 little kids. Who's gonna fight for truth for them? Because if the church of today doesn't stand up for God and His ways in this time, they're going to have fight battles that we should have fought. And I'm not talking about taking up political battles and I'm not fighting people. I'm fighting a spiritual agenda that is bigger than an individual or an activist. It's much bigger. Much, much bigger. And we need to find our voice. We need to understand our voice is underpinned wholeheartedly, not by our emotional response, but by the Word of God at this time. So He challenges us. This writer, he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that brings faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed. What is he saying? He's basically, there's got to be a shift in position and posture, which is one of closer to Jesus. But he doesn't say, you get closer to Jesus. He says, let us, which means we've got to take each other and keep pulling each other closer to Jesus, which means you need an us in your story. And this last week, a friend of mine in this church, an amazing man, is facing an incredibly tough battle. And, and he wanted counsel. I said, but honestly, I cannot counsel you. I'm not able. But what I can do is fight for you and with you in prayer. He says, awesome. Will you pray for me? I said, no. What, okay. He said, no, what you're going to do, you're going to phone your other five or six best mates. We're going to meet you on Friday morning at 6.30 before work. I don't care that it's inconvenient. And we're going to let us fight together in prayer. It's one of my favorite times in church for a long time as we fought for our friend. Who's your us? Maybe that's just the simple, who's going to do that for you? And if you think it's me, I'm going to do it for everyone, it's probably not going to land in reality. But we do need us in our lives. We're going to fight and keep leading us and drawing us near to Jesus. And sometimes the Bible looks more like, the world looks more like the 80-20 principle. You know that, you've heard it. It's, it's the, the 20% carrying the 80% yeah. principle. And most studies would show that in work environments, be it financials or whatever, there's this 80-20 principle. I want to tell you, the Bible flips that on its head. See, it took four guys to lower the one cripple down to Jesus so that he could find life. And they lowered him down with faith, and Jesus did what Jesus does. He does miracles. Yeah. And I was so encouraged to meet a lady named Carol who came to church just before we went on sabbatical and the privilege some of us had of gathering around her and, and, and raising her up to Christ saying, Jesus, would you heal? And her telling us of the testimony of her hand. She couldn't feel her fingers and, and her, her feet, I remember, were swollen and God has brought healing. And I'm going, thank you, God, that we can still come together. You know what I miss the most on sabbatical? I love worship in corporate setting, but I worship with my family. We gathered and we, we did those things and we loved that. I, I love uh, the hearing and receiving the preaching. I love that. I love all the aspects of church. I really do. But you know what I miss the most? I miss the ability and the privilege of being able to partner with someone in their valley moments and lay hands on people. 
There's just something about standing with someone in the lowest moment, putting your hand on their shoulder, saying, I actually, I can't carry what you're carrying. I can't take it off you. I wish I could, but Jesus can. So I'm going to stand. Yes. You can't do that yeah. through a screen. Yeah. And please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not anti, uh, anti the screen, anti social media, anti online church. I am so pro online church because, because I actually I met that man through online church. He's sitting in the second row today, but during a, 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 a lockdown period when I didn't know what was going on and is anyone watching aside from my mother and are we doing anything good for Jesus out of my garage with that camera and I'm sitting preaching uh, on, on Easter Sunday going, oh my word, what are we doing? We're in a garage. My garage, there's Ron and Johan looking at me, and I'm preaching my guts out going, anyway, no, this guy encouraged me all the way through. I'd never met him. Before there ever was a man named Lance in my life, there was a name on a screen. I'm so grateful for that. But I want to tell you, the online space is brilliant and reaching far, and will continue to, but it'll always have its limitations in raising people up to more and cross. It will. It will. There, there will always be the limited interaction, the limited ability to speak, to encourage, the limited ability to lay hands on. So I'm super grateful for what God has done. And we're going to keep pioneering to this space. Why? Because friends of mine have got saved through my preaching that they never would have come to if they'd known I was the preacher. But rather, it invaded their life on their screen. And they oh, let's have a look. See if this is like giving it a go. And see what God can do. I've had friends give their lives in other cities around the world. Get a random message from a mate I haven't seen in years. Ah, oh, see you aging. Nice to see the glasses. I'm like, I haven't heard from you in years. That's the comment. But, but God is doing stuff. I just want to talk to you about the ability for us to let us draw near. Yeah. I need brothers who can say, actually, pick me up and lower me to Jesus sometimes. And so do you. And that's when the church is best. He says, Why, uh, and, and, and let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly. What does it mean to be a church in these times? of transformation and change on every level where the Word of God isn't changing to hold unswervingly. We need each other. We're stronger together. We don't need one preacher. We need 200. We need God's bringing, actually, your only hope is not some law to be passed. Your hope is Jesus. It'll always be Jesus. We're driving back. I was with my boys last year, driving back um, from Durban. and We're on the N1. Came over a blind rise on the N1 and there was a massive um, big truck on the one side coming at me, single lanes. All of a sudden, I just see peekaboo, there's my mate coming at me. Toyota Hilux, not going to shame, but I mean, I thought he could get around, but he couldn't. <laughs> and I'm there coming with my three kids in the car. He's flying at me. There's a truck. There's no space to go. And I don't know what made me do it, but I wasn't going anywhere. I just started calmly waving at him like this. <laughs> go away. And I'm pointing to Bush. I don't care. And I just went straight. And even in the bush, he was fine. His car was a little damaged, but we were fine. And I'm telling you, there's going to come moments in our lives with that extreme stupid example where we're going to have to just decide. It was so amazing. Daniel was sitting next to me on the iPad. I didn't even think he saw, so I was trying to keep it calm, keep everyone calm. He just looked up. Good move, Dad. Okay, I'm like, okay. I'm like, we nearly died, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But I'm telling you guys, when I look across the room and I see businessmen, I see entrepreneurs, I, I see teachers, I, I, I see leaders, I see family leaders, I see parents, there are times where we're going to have to get this unswerving call and grip. And I'm telling you, we're going to struggle to do it on our own. You're going to struggle to hold unless you have an army around you and you're in the middle of the army. And when the corporal says, go left, 
because the king demands us go left and we are hard of hearing, so we turn right. No, we need someone on our shoulder to say, turn left, buddy. God's moving that way. Because when he moves, we move and we are his army. And I want to remind us, it's important that we understand, maybe right now, there's a swerving in you. It's some, maybe right now, maybe at church because you're swerving. Last night you were swerving. And it's real. Maybe it's, it's a money challenge and, and it's coming head on and it's a head on collision coming your way. So you think, well, what I'm going to do, I'm just not going to pay the tax man. I'm just not going to pay my, the people I owe money to. I'm just going to not trust God and I'm going to do this. Maybe the thing coming at you is loneliness. And so, well, if I just compromise a little bit on my sexuality, what I know God demands of sexuality, I promise you it'll never land you in the place you think it does. I'd love to stand here and say, give it a go. Missionary dating works every time. But I've walked too long and seen too many train wrecks and sat with too many people who've given too much away that you were never meant to give away to man or woman. Let us hold unswervingly. See, our anchor is our trust in God. That's our anchor. Not popular opinion. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds and not giving up meeting together, some on the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You see that the day in big capital letters is approaching. It's not just another day. It's a big day. Everything changes. Every mask comes off. Every hidden debt gets exposed. The day is approaching. It's not slowing down. I'm not going to tell you it's on August the 22nd, but you heard it first. No, I'm joking. I'm not that guy. <laughs> but who's your us with the day approaching? It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on. Who's your us? See, man, since Adam and Eve have been brilliant at one game called hide and seek. We hide. It's the default of men to run and hide. Marco, Polo, Marco. And God put something in place so we couldn't hide. We tried to. He said, I'm going to put a sign and wonder in the middle of it all. They could do this thing on their own. Let's be honest. God, God could... Do whatever you want. But he put a plan in place. He called it plan A. He called it the church. A community of faith who stand for different things. The Bible things. Who hold the lines and who encourage each other. And they gather. And I completely believe that my times on my own with Christ are essential to my growth. Essential to the more of God. Essential to me enjoying with God. I completely believe that. But not at the exclusivity of that being the truth versus the gathering of the saints. See, I've, I've encountered God in these places and times and, and seen God touch my life miraculously. But there's also been moments where I didn't want to be in that place. And so it spoke. God used someone else to speak and to encourage See, there was, a, there was a lady sitting in the front row this morning. She just kept saying amen, and I just thought she should be at home with her husband who's horribly ill right now. But she believes in the gathering of the saints. It's a blessing. She's been with him all week. Don't worry. She's a good wife. Relax. 
She's been with them all week, but she believes in the power of gathering and the let us. And so in a world that is defaulting to small, to safe, to secluded, to sanitized, to isolated, to limited, I'm telling you, we're going to miss the big picture of the gospel and the day is fast approaching. And as the church, we need to be in the room together so God can keep breaking down the walls of injustice. God can keep breaking down the walls of brokenness. God can keep breaking down the walls of separation. Because God just did, Jesus didn't just deal with this, and this is where you're going to have to start playing, Karen. I'm loving your encouragement, but you're going to get on that piano. And you're, no, I'm just having fun. I'm feeling in a naughty mood. But Jesus didn't die just so that we're good with God. If you think that, you'll never understand the let us. See, because as much as Carol comes and testifies about her healing, the next minute I'm standing with a young man who's battling to stay free from addiction. And it's been a long battle. It's not been a short battle. It's been a battle his whole family has had to fight. And he's crying out to a God of heaven to break in. I get the privilege to stand with both of someone on a mountaintop, touched by the healing of Jesus, and someone in the lowest valley of their life that I personally have very limited ability to do a lot about but I can lay hands on him. I can appeal to the God of heaven and I get to do that with him. So do you. So I want to remind us today about the power of us. Don't be a lone crusader. It doesn't work. You were designed for something supernatural. You were designed for something otherworldly. You were designed something that the world will call a sign and wonder. Why don't you stand with me this morning? But we've got to make choices to push him towards. And his choices are big and your choices might be big. And we've got to understand what the choices, but it's a decision to access the potential and the power of the community of God. I'm telling you now, your greatest breakthrough might be sitting right next to you right now. Honestly, their faith, their courage, their generosity, their kindness. I look at all the problems of the world and I might be naive and it might be incredibly limited in its understanding, but I honestly believe that if the church fully understood how powerful we were in our togetherness, we could rid the world of so much brokenness. When God gets into our minds, our pockets, our hearts and starts opening up, we will see the kingdom of God break out. We'll start fanning into flame, not just our own personal gifts. Look at me and my prophetic gift. We'll fan into flame the gifts of the brothers and the sisters next door to us. And then we'll see the miracles. I want to read one scripture and then I want to pray for us. Romans 8, for I, say I, I am convinced, this is the apostle writing, that neither death nor life, and I'm asking you this morning, are you convinced? Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. There's got to be an us and our in your story. If we want to see the fullness of His story in our world. Can we lift our hands together this morning? Please be assured I'm not angry and I'm not frustrated. And I'm not trying to make a political statement. I'm trying to preach the Bible and call the church to the unswerving line of life. Call the Word of God and His community of faith, his bride, that might look broken, she might look bruised now, but when he looks at her, when the father looks at her, he sees her through the blood of Jesus, perfect, spotless. 
in all ways. Oh God, I bring to you my selfishness. I bring my smallness along with my brothers and sisters. And I say, God, reveal to us, in us, through us, your glory, your power, your might. Gifts of encouragement, God, let them shine. Gifts of wisdom, we need them to ignite, not just with a mic in a pulpit, but in small groups, in moments, in times. Gifts of generosity, exploding and seeing more and more abundance come. Have your way, God. 